0: Section 22, Volume 2 of the book A Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Werte Spike Fogarty. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 22. When it was the sixtieth night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that King Shere Khan bade them write for the merchant a mandate, after paying him his monies. And they wrote a perpetual patent, exempting him from the tithe upon his merchandise, and forbidding any in his government to molest him, and lastly bestowed upon him a splendid dress of honor. Then all about him retired, and none remained, save the kazi's and the merchant. Whereupon said he to the judges, I wish you to hear such discourse from this damsel as may prove her knowledge and accomplishments in all aimed for her by this traitor, that we ascertain the truth of this assertions. They answered, There is no evil in that. And he commanded, The curtain to be let down between him and those with him, and the maiden and those with her, and the women about the damsel behind the curtains began to wish her joy and kiss her hands and feet, when they learned that she was become the king's wife. Then they came round her, and took off her dresses, easing her of the weight of her clothes, and began to look upon her beauty and loveliness. Presently the wives of the emirs and the wazirs heard that King Shuriken had bought a handmaiden, unmatched for her beauty and learning and philosophy and account-keeping, and versed in all branches of knowledge, that he had paid for her three hundred and twenty thousand dinars, and that he had set her free and had written a marriage contract with her, and had summoned the four kazi's to make trial of her, and how she would answer all their questions, and hold disputations with them. So they asked leave of their husbands, and repaired to the palace whereupon was Nuzhat al-Zaman. When they came into her, they found the eunuch standing before her, and as soon as she saw the wives of the Emirs and the Wazirs and the grandees of the realm coming to call upon her she rose to them on her feet and met them with courtesy her handmaidens standing behind her and she received them saying ye be welcome the while she smiled in their faces so as to win their hearts and she promised them all manner of good and seated them in their proper stations as if she had been brought up with them so all wondered at her beauty and loveliness and said to one another this damsel is none other than a queen the daughter of a king Then they sat down, magnifying her worth, and said to her, O our lady, this our city is illuminated by thee, and our country and abode and birth, place and reign are honored by thy presence. The kingdom indeed is thy palace, and we all are thy handmaids. So, by Allah, do not shut us out from thy favors and thy sight of thy beauty. And she thanked them for this. All this while the curtains were let down between Nuzat al-Zaman and the woman with her, on the one side and the king shuriken and the four cozies and the merchant seated by him on the other presently king shuriken called to her and said o queen the glory of thine age this merchant hath described thee as being learned and accomplished and he claimeth that thou art skilled in all branches of knowledge even to astrology so let us hear something of all this he hath mentioned and feather us with a short discourse on such subjects she replied saying o king to hear is to obey. The first subject whereof I will treat are the art of government and the duties of the kings, and what behoveth the governors of commanding meats, according to religious law, and what is incumbent on them in respects of satisfactory speech and manners. Know then, O king, that all men's work tends either to religious or to laical life, though none attaineth to religion save through this world, because it is the best road to futurity. Now the works of this world are not ordered save by the doings of its people, and the men's doings are divided into four divisions, government, commerce, husbandry, and craftsmanship. Now government requireth perfect administration with just and true judgment, for government is the pivot of the edifice of the world, which world is the road to futurity, since Allah Almighty hath made for the world his servants as viaticum to the traveller for the attainment of his goal. And it befitteth each man that he receive of it such measure as shall bring him to Allah, and that he follow not herein his own mind and his individual lust. If the folk would take of worldly goods with justice and equity, all cause of contention would be cut off. But they take thereof with violence, and after their own desires and their persistence, therein gives rise to contentions. So they have need of the sultan that he do justice between them, and order their affairs. And if the king restrain not his folk from one another, they strong will drive the weak to the wall. Hence Adarshir said, Religion and kingship, the twins' religion, is a hidden treasure to the king. It is its keeper, and the divine ordinances and men's intelligence puts it out that it behoveth the people to adopt a sultan who shall withhold oppressor from the oppressed and do the weak justice against the strong, and restrain the violence of the proud and the rebels against rule. For know, O king, that according to the measures of the sultan's good morals, even so will be the time, as saith the apostles of Allah, who, on whom the peace and salvation, there be two classes who, if they be good, the people will be good, and if they be bad, the people will be bad, even the ulema and the emirs, And it is said by a certain sage, There be three kinds of kings, the king of the faith, the king who protecteth things to which reverence is due, and the king of his own lusts. The king of the faith obligeth his subjects to follow their faith, and it behooveth he be the most faithful. For it is by him that they take pattern in the things of the faith, and it becometh the folk to obey him, in whatsoever commandeth according to divine ordinance, but he shall hold the discontented in the same esteem as the contented because of submission to the decrees of destiny. As for the king who protecteth things to be reverenced, he upholdeth the things of the faith and of the world, compelleth his folk to follow, the divine law to preserve the rights of humanity, and it fitteth him to unite pen and sword, for whoso declineth from that pen hath written his feet slip, and the king shall rectify his error with a sharp sword, and dispread his justice over all mankind. As for the king of his own lust, he hath no religion, but the following his desire, and as he feareth not the wrath of his lord who sent him on the throne, so his kingdom inclineth to disposition, and at the end his pride is in the house of perdition, and sages say, the king hath need of many people, but the king hath need of but one king. Wherefore it beseemeth that he be well acquainted with their natures, that he reduce their discord to concord, that with his justice he encompasses them all, and with his bounties overwhelm them all. Know, O king, that Arashir styled Jamir Shadid, or the live coal, third of the kings of Persia, conquered the whole world, and divided it into four divisions. And for this purpose, get for himself four seal rings, one for each division. The first seal was that of C and the police of prohibition, and on it was written, Alterna lives. The second was the seal of tribute, and of the receipt of monies, and on it was written, Building up. The third was the seal of the provisioning department, and on it was written, Plenty. The fourth seal was the seal of the oppressed, and on it was written, Justice. And these usages remained valid in Persia until the revelation of al-Islam. Krosros also wrote his son, who was with the army, Be not thou too open-handed with the troops, or they will be too rich to need thee. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say, When it was the sixty-first night. She said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Krosros wrote his son, be not thou too open-handed with thy troops or they will be too rich to need thee nor be thou niggardly with them or they will murmur against thee give thy giving deliberately and confer thy favours advisedly open thy hand to them in time of success and stint them not in time of distress there is a legend that the desert arab came once to the caliph al-mansur and said starve thy dog and he shall follow thee when the caliph heard his words he was enraged with the Arab, but Abu al-Abbas of said to him, I fear that if some other than thou should show him a scone, the dog would follow him and leave thee alone. Thereupon the caliph al Mansur's wrath subsided, and when he knew that the wild Arab had intended no offense and ordered him a present, and know, O king, that Abd al-Malik bin Moran wrote to his brother abd al aziz when he dispatched him to egypt as follows pay heed to thy secretaries and thy chamberlains for the secretaries will acquaint thee with the estate of finished matters and the chamberlains with matters of official ceremony whilst thine expenditure will make thy troops known to thee omar bin al Katab, whom allah except when engaging a servant was in the habit of conditioning him with four conditions the first that he should not ride the baggage beast the second that he should not wear fine clothes, the third that he should not eat the spoil, and the fourth that he should not put off praying until after the proper period. It is said that there is no wealth more profitable than understanding, and there is no understanding like common sense and prudence, and there is no prudence like piety, that there is no means of drawing near to God like good morals, no measure like good breeding, no traffic like good works, and no profit like earning the divine favor that there is no temperance like standing within the limits of the law, no science like that of meditation, no worship like obeying the divine commands, no faith like modesty, no calculation like self-abasement, and no honor like knowledge. So guard the head and what it containeth, the belly and what it compriseth, and think of death and doom ere it ariseth. Saith Ali, whose face Allah honor, beware of the wickedness of women and be on thy guard against them consult them not in aught but grudge not complaisance to them lest they greed for intrigue and eke, quoth he whoso leaveth the path of moderation his wits become perplexed and there be rules for this which we will mention if it be allah's will and omar who allah accept saith there are three kinds of women firstly the true believing heaven fearing Loveful and fruitful, who helpeth her mate against fate, not helping fate against her mate. Secondly, she who loveth her children, but no more, and lastly, she who is shackle Allah setteth on the neck of whom he will. Men be also three, the wise when he exerciseth his own judgment, the wiser who, when befalleth somewhat whereof he knoweth not the issue, seeketh the folk of good counsel, and acteth by their advice and the wise irresolute ignoring the right way, nor heeding those who would guide him straight. Justice is indispensable in all things. Even slave girls have need of justice. And men quote, As an instance highway robbers who live by violent mankind, for did not deal equitably among themselves, and observe justice in dividing their booty, their order would fall to pieces. In short, for the rest, the prince of noble qualities is beneficence, Come benevolence, and how excellent is the saying of the poet, By open hand and ruth, the youth rose to his tribe's command. Go and do likewise, for the same were easy task to thee. And quoth another, In ruth and mildness surety lies, and mercy wins respect. And truth is best asylum for the man of soothfast soul, Whoso for wealth of gold would win and wear the world's good word on glory's course must ever be the first to gain the goal." And Nazhat al-Zaman discovered upon the policy of the kings till the bystanders said, Never have we seen one reason of rule and government like this damsel. Happily she will let us hear some discourse upon subject other than this. When she heard their words and understood them, she said, As for the chapter of good breeding, it is wide of comprehension being a compend of things perfect now it so happened that one day there came caliph mu one of his companions who mentioned the rank of iraq and the goodness of their wit and the caliph's wife mesun mother of yezid heard his words so when he was gone she said to the caliph o prince of the faithful i would thou let some of the people of iraq come in and talk to thee that i may hear their discourse therewith mu said to his attendants see who is at the door and they answered the banu tamim let them come in said he so they came in and with them al anafaf son of Kays. then quoth mu aweya enter o abu bar and drew a curtain between himself and mesum that she might hear what they said without being seen herself then he said to al anaf o son of si draw near and tell me what counsel thou hast for me Quoth Al Anaf, Part thy hair and trim thy mustachio and pare thy nails and pluck thine armpits and shave thy pubes and ever use the toothpick because therein be two and seventy virtues and make the ghusl or complete absolution on Friday as an expiation for all between the Fridays and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the sixty second night. She said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Anaf bin Kiz replied to Mu Aweaz Question, and ever use the toothpick, because therein be two and seventy virtues, and make the complete Friday absolution as an expiation for all between the two Fridays, quoth Mu Aweya. What is thy counsel to thyself? To set my feet firmly on the ground, to move them deliberately, and watch over them with mine eyes? How dost thou order thyself, when thou goest into one not of thy nobles and of thy tribe. I lower mine eyes modestly, and I salute first. I avoid what concerneth me not, and I spare my words. And how, when thou goest into thine equals, I give ear to them when they speak, and I do not assail them when they err. When thou goest into thy chiefs, I salute them without making any sign, and await the reply. If they bid me draw near, I draw near. And if they draw off from me I withdraw. How dost thou, with thy wife, quoth Anaf, excuse me from answering this, O commander of the faithful, but Mu cried, I conjure thee inform me, he said. I entreat her kindly, and show her familiarity, and I am large in expenditure, for woman was created of a crooked rib. And how dost thou, when thou hast a mind to lie with her? I bid her perfume herself, and kiss her till she is moved to desire. Then, should it be as thou knowest, I throw her on her back. If the seed abide in her womb, I say, O Allah, make it blessed, and let it not be wastrel, but fashion it into the best of fashions. Then I rise from her to absolution, and first I pour water over my hands, and then over my body, and lastly I praise Allah for the joy he hath given me, said Mu'uea. Thou hast answered right well, and now tell me what thy requirements, said Anaf. I would have thee rule thy subjects in the fear of Allah, and do even hand justice between them. Thereupon Anaf rose to his feet, and left the caliph's presence. And when he had gone, Maysoon said, Where there but this man in Iraq, he would suffice it. Then continued Nuzat al-Zaman, All this is a section of the chapter of good breeding, and know, O king, that Mu'yakib, was Intendant of the Public Treasury during the Caliphate of Omar bin Al-Khattab, and Chasrath perceived the dawn of day and ceased to her permitted to say. End of section 22 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Two, recorded by Huertes Spike Fogarty, Berea, Kentucky.